Well, good morning, Oakwood. What a wonderful time of worship this morning. Hey, before we get into uh, the message this morning, I just wanted to share something with you. We picked this up together as a church. I think we sold like 330 of these right around January 1st. This is a devotion uh, that we're doing together as a church this year uh, by uh, Paul David Tripp called New Morning Mercies. And uh, today's June 30th, and the reason I wanted to bring this up today was if you've been journeying with us and you've been doing those daily devotions and spending that time with the Lord every day, which we know is a spiritual discipline, we know there's huge benefits to your relationship with Jesus Christ, that you're halfway there, that you're, you're halfway June 30th. And I want to encourage you this morning that if you haven't been on this journey with us to join us now, okay? Uh, July, July 1st is a great time to start, so start today, start tomorrow. If you haven't done your Devo for today, I did it this morning, it's awesome. It talks about the power of the gospel, not just being to redeem the past and save us for the future, but there's power of the gospel for our present lives today. Amen. And so we need to hear that. We need to hear from God every day. So just wanted to say thank you for doing this with us. And if you haven't been, maybe you got off track or, you know, gave into the temptation to not do your devos, get back on board with us uh, starting tomorrow. But we're halfway there on the journey together. So just wanted to say, uh, mention that this morning and just encourage you in that. As we uh, continue in our uh, series this morning, we've been in a series called The Way. We're going to actually conclude that series today. And uh, where we got even the title and the thought for this series is from Jesus in John chapter 14 where he said, I am the way, the truth, the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Now notice that Jesus didn't say, well, I am a way, that there's other ways to get to heaven. There's other ways to get to the heavenly Father, to the God of the universe. No, he said, I am the way, and the only way you can get to heaven is through me. And so we've been talking about what does that look like? That first week we talked about uh, your, your destination is determined by direction and not intention. Now, do you remember that? Your, your destination in life is determined by direction, by the way you're headed, not your intention. Uh, we, we, we talked about some, some funny things uh, in that first week, some things that were really, really uh, kind of funny because we intend to do things in life, but we don't. And we find out when we end up at our destination, it was what? It was where we were headed the whole time. It was the direction that we took, not the intention. And so it's important that we be a people of action. The second week, we talked about how obedience and wisdom of the Lord blesses a life. Last week, we talked about how, if we're true followers of the way, that righteousness should be on the increase in our life. The sinfulness and that sinful pattern, those patterns of sin, habitual sin in our life, should be on the decrease in our life. And we talked about the ramifications of that. And today we're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit. Everybody say, ooh, ooh, the Holy Spirit. Third part of the triune God, probably the most mysterious to us, sometimes the most scary, uh, because we we don't know how does the Holy Spirit work, you know? What I love about the Holy Spirit is you can't put the Holy Spirit in a box, right? You can't put him in a box and say, oh, you're just going to function this way. Uh, We see the Holy Spirit throughout the Bible do uh, several amazing things. We're going to be talking about that this morning. So uh, we invite you to follow along with us this morning. You can download the Oakwood app if you haven't already. All the sermon notes and all all of the uh, scriptures are there for you. Um, If you're old school like me, uh, grab the Bible, turn to Acts chapter 16. That's where we're going to be this morning together, um, Acts chapter 16. And as we've done uh, every Sunday this year, uh, we're just going to pause right now, and we're going to pray. So I want you to bow your head, close your eyes, and I want you to pray this prayer. Just pray, simple prayer, Lord, today, speak to me. Would you pray that right now? And believing that, all God's people said, 
Amen. And he will speak to us through his word. So we're going to begin this morning with Acts chapter 16. Um, The apostle Paul and uh, his sidekick Silas are are going on missionary journeys and they're planting churches and they're spreading the gospel throughout the world. And we encounter uh, this little section in Acts chapter 16 where uh, they're going to encounter and pick up another uh, disciple of Jesus, kind of a youngin in the faith named Timothy. And what we find here is that they are very intentional about listening to God's Spirit and allows the Spirit to direct their lives. So oh, check, what this, uh, check out what this says, Acts chapter 16, beginning with verse 1. So Paul came also to Derbe and to Lystra. A disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. He was also well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. So Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him, and he took him and circumcised him, circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. It's just a custom thing. I know it's painful, but it's custom. As they went on their way through the cities, they delivered to them for observance the decision that had been reached by the apostles and the elders who were in Jerusalem. And so the churches were strengthened in faith, and they increased in numbers daily. Now, we're going to pause right there for a second. I want you to notice this theme that we see throughout the book of Acts is that the churches increased daily. And it's because the relationship with Jesus Christ was daily. The mission of the Great Commission to go into all the world, make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teach them to obey everything I've commanded you, was daily. This wasn't a Sunday thing. This wasn't a Wednesday night thing. This wasn't a Sunday in a small group thing. This was an everyday thing. They lived out their faith in Jesus Christ. And because of that, the numbers of the church grew daily. We see that from all the way back in Acts chapter 2 at the very end there. It says that the numbers increased daily, those that were being saved. And, and uh, we, we should be seeing that today if we're following God's leading of the Spirit and if we're doing our marching orders as Christians. Now to verse 6. It says, And they, so this is Paul, Silas, Timothy, And they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. Now, we see the Holy Spirit's leading right here, don't we? They're, they're wanting to go to these places, Phrygia and, and Galatia, uh, which are in Asia, and yet the Holy Spirit says you're not going to go there and speak the word. Can you imagine the Holy Spirit of God guiding someone like the Apostle Paul and telling him, don't go share the gospel in these places? That's what happened here. That's, doesn't that seem contradictory? I mean, this is for everyone, everywhere, right? The gospel's for everyone, everywhere. And so why? But there's a plan. You see, God is sovereign. He's overall, and he has a plan. He's working his, his, his plan. And, and sometimes we just need to yield ourselves to his spirit's leading to know what that plan is. So look, look at verse 7. It says, And when they had come to Messiah, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the spirit of Jesus did not allow them. Here's the spirit again, not allowing them to share the gospel in a certain place. Just seems so contradictory. But again, God's got a plan. And so, passing by Messiah, they went on to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there, urging him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately, how does Paul obey Jesus? What does it say there? As soon as he got the vision from the Lord, as soon as he had listened to the spirits leading his life, it says what? Immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. See, God had a plan. Macedonia must have been ready. You know, we'd studied the soils last fall. 
Remember some of the soul's rocky soul, and it's just not ready to receive the word, and the word goes out, but it dies because it doesn't have anything to get rooted in. Evidently, Macedonia was ready. They had some good soil there. And God's plan was to have, to have Paul and Silas and Timothy go there to spread the gospel. And there's some more to this story. Look at verse 11. So setting sail from Troas, we made a direct voyage to Samothrace, and the following day to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is the leading city of the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony, okay? This is like the New York City of the region, Philippi. Philippi was, was the fashion center. Philippi was the industrial center. Everything was about Philippi. And so God says, you're going to go to that city, to the big city, which is also a Roman colony in Macedonia. And that is where I'm leading you to share the gospel. It says, we remained in this city some days. And on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to the riverside, where we supposed there was a place of prayer. And we sat down and spoke to the women who had come together. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods, which means she was like a fashion, uh, you know, a fashion lady, uh, you know, had a fashion empire in Philippi, and who is also a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul, and after she was baptized, so she gives her life to Jesus Christ, she's baptized, after she was baptized, and her whole household as well, she's so excited about Jesus, she can't just keep it to herself, she goes home and tells the whole family, whole family ends up getting baptized, giving their lives to Christ, so as the whole household as well, she urged us, saying, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay, and she prevailed upon us. And what she was inviting them to do is to come disciple me, come spend some time with me. Now, we're, we're going to stop there, and, and the story is great if you know the rest of the story, that Paul and Silas end up in prison, that they end up, um, a, a Philippian jailer gets in, ends up getting converted, and, and we pick up this story of this lady named Lydia, actually later in Scripture she's, she's mentioned. But before we get there, there's a couple things I want us to, to draw from this this morning as we're learning about God's Holy Spirit and His movement and His place in our lives. The first thing we need to understand is this as we learn to rely on God relying on God instead of ourselves we will see his work in our lives and in the lives of those around us you're actually going to take notice of the Holy Spirit's work in your life now be honest this morning think right now when was the last time you felt like you saw the Holy Spirit's work in your life in the life of a friend your spouse when was the last time you really felt like, man God is doing something here the Holy Spirit is making a move here. I, I can see this. There's only one explanation for this kind of behavior. It's the Holy Spirit. He's leading. He's guiding. He's directing. Here's something else I want us to consider this morning. Walking in the Spirit is about being sensitive to God's presence and His leading. It's about being sensitive to God's, God's presence and His leading. Because you know, a lot of people will say, well, the Holy Spirit doesn't work today like He did you know, in the book of Acts and in the Bible. And, you know, and, and, and I think that's a bunch of baloney. I think the Holy Spirit works just as much today, if not more, because Jesus even said that greater things than these you guys will experience because of the Holy Spirit coming into the world. But you're going to see even greater things than these, than these works in the Bible. And you read the Bible, it's like, this is amazing stuff. I think so many times we miss the presence of God because we're not in tune with the Spirit of God. And I wonder sometimes if we don't experience it because of the noise in our lives. Noise. 
You know, I feel like as Americans, we have this hurry sickness. Hurry, 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 hurry. You, you, you just go out in the lobby after church. Be honest. You know, what are you guys doing this week? How are you doing? So good to see you. Oh, we've been so busy. We've just been over here and over here, and we've been over here, and then we went over here. We did this, we did that, and then he got at work, and he's been at work for like 20, 29 hours a day. And then she went over this, and then we signed up for the traveling this, and we went over this. And, you know, it was busy, busy. You know, it's like, whoo, I'm tired just hearing from you, you know. And where, where's the Holy Spirit in that? Where's the Spirit of the living God in your life? Where is he working? Where is he moving? Can you hear him? I mean, sometimes I wonder if God's just out there. You remember the old cell phone commercial or can you hear me now? You know, I just wonder if that's the way God is sometimes. It's like, can you hear me now? You know, can you hear me now? <laughs> hey, hey, really, I'm trying to do some work in your life here. Can you hear me now? And we're, we're, we're busy. I mean, we're, we're fast and we're busy and we're going. And sometimes it leads to distraction. and Sometimes it leads us to a place where we don't even see or feel the presence of God. Reminds me of the story of Elijah. Elijah's one of the prophets, and we talked about prophets and what prophets do last week. And so if you uh, weren't here for that, catch that online. But uh, we, uh, we were talking about the prophets, and one of the prophets of God was Elijah. And Elijah has an amazing, amazing story. It's found in uh, 1 Kings chapter 18. So write that down. I'll be some of you reading this week from the Scripture. Uh, amazing story because he actually defeats the prophets of Baal. And I'm not going to go into how that whole th- thing happened, but Baal was a false god and an idol. And he had all of his prophets there. And there's this battle between Elijah and the prophets of Baal over an altar. And it involves fire and water. And, I mean, it's awesome, okay? So just go, go read that story. But on the heels of that, of him not only defeating the prophets of Baal, but then he kills all of the prophets of Baal. It kind of made the king at that time, who's Ahab, kind of mad. And he ends up telling his wife Jezebel about it. And Jezebel makes a threat on Elijah the prophet's life. And when you get into 1 Kings chapter 19, uh, you find out that Elijah is now uh, fearful for his life. And he is literally running for his life. I mean, you can read it in the scripture. You talk about if you've ever uh, been at a point in life where you felt anxiety about what was in, in your future. If you've ever been at a point in your life where you felt stressed out. Uh, maybe even depressed, read 1 Kings 18 and 19 because here's a prophet of the Almighty God. I'm telling you what, this guy is struggling. Some of the things he says to God, he cries out to God with. He even says, God, just take my life. I don't want to do this anymore. This is not what I signed up for, you know? I thought being a prophet would be like a glory thing and it's hard work and now they're going to kill me. And He literally goes running to the mountains. In the mountains, this mountainous region near Mount Horeb, mountain of one of the mountains of the Lord, he goes up on the mountain, he's hanging out in this cave, and the Lord tells him, Elijah, and I think it was really God's way of showing his power and his might, but also to encourage Elijah to show him his presence as well. He says, Elijah, I'm going to basically stop by today. I'm going to come by the cave where you're hanging out, and so I want you to pay attention. So he's inside of this cave, and then all of a sudden what happens is a great wind comes. Okay, now, now we know wind in Oklahoma, right? Can you get an amen on that, little, little wind in Oklahoma? Okay, this is a great wind, okay? So this, I think this is more like a tornadic wind or a gust front coming out of a thunderstorm, you know, 85 mile per hour straight line winds type of wind. But the scripture says that the, the wind that was coming by the cave actually split rocks, that kind of wind. I mean, it was breaking things, was howling. I mean, it was loud. It was tumultuous. And, and so this wind comes up. And then it says, but God wasn't in the wind. 
He wasn't in the, in the wind and all that was going on there. Then it says that Elijah was still in the cave, and, and it says, and then what came next was an earthquake, and it was a powerful earthquake. Now, a few years ago, we'd say earthquake in Oklahoma, and all of us would be like, what's an earthquake? I wonder what that feels like. But today, man, we can say earthquake, right? Because we all experience earthquake, and all of you talk about it on Facebook all the time. So, you know, did you feel that? Don't you love that post? <laughs> it's like two minutes ago, did you feel that? I'm like, feel what? I mean, it's a little personal there, isn't it? But no, it, it's, 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 a, it's an earthquake, you know? It's an earthquake. And, but you know how that feels. And this is like a powerful earthquake, a noisy one, you know, probably 15 on the Richter scale. doesn't go high, but it was, okay? This is a God earthquake. But then it says God wasn't in the earthquake. So you have this powerful wind that's breaking rocks. We've got this massive earthquake. And then it says next came a fire. Now, have you ever seen a fire like a real fire? Like when we had the men's thing about a month and a half ago, we built a bonfire out here in the field. It's probably totally illegal. No, I'm sure the elders, they were, they were, they were good with it. But, um, but this massive bonfire, and, they, and we were uh, cooking some cedar in that thing, so it was popping. I mean, it was a loud, tumultuous fire, you know? And, and it says that this fire came by the, by the mouth of the cave, and the fire came on the mountain. And, and you're thinking, okay, so, you know, we've got the wind, we've got the earthquake, now it's the fire. God's going to be in the fire, right? He's going to be in the fire. And it says God wasn't in the fire. And then what it says next, which is so interesting in the language, because people have tried to interpret this, and it's like one of the only times it appears in the Hebrew. That's the language that the Old Testament was written in. It says, and, and this is the best translation I could find, it says that after all this had happened, this, this loud, tumultuous wind, the, the, this earthquake and the fire, it says, then there was a thin silence. It's like, what makes a silence thin? I don't know. But uh, the way we interpret it in, in the English sometimes, it says that there was a gentle whisper. So somewhere between whatever a thin silence is and a gentle whisper comes by the mouth of the cave. And guess what it says? That God was in the silence. And God was in the whisper. And it was then that Elijah experienced God. And I don't know what your life feels like right now, but a lot of times I think some of you are like, oh, the wind that splits rocks. Yeah. Oh, the earthquake that makes the whole foundation of my life feel like, what is happening? And the fire that I feel like is going to burn me up sometime. God is not in the noise. But he's in the silence. And when was the last time you were silent? When I do these devos now, this is something I've learned in the last month and a half. And I praise God for my wife because she pointed this out to me. Before I do my devos now, what I do is I have about two or three minutes of silence. I don't know if you've ever done that. As if we're silent right now, it's really awkward after about like eight seconds. But I have this silent time. Before I do my devos and read the scripture, do any of that. And I, I just kind of clear my mind. I'm not thinking about anything. I, I'm, just, I'm just maybe praying silently to the Lord. Lord. Lord, speak to me today and be with me, Lord. And I just rest in that silence. And during that, I feel like my mind's attention, my heart's affection is centered on God in that moment. And it's like, wow. And having that two or three minutes of silence, I feel like, allows the Holy Spirit to speak. And then for some reason, I'm better to receive what he's going to give me through new morning mercies, through reading the scripture. I feel like I'm just in this place where I can receive it. And the Holy Spirit begins to, to work. On days that I'm really stressed, and maybe have a lot, a lot of anxiety, 
It's like the Lord says, hey, it's going to be okay. I'm with you. Hey, Eric, remember, it's my church. It's not your church. My church. I've got it under control. And it's in those moments that I feel like the Holy Spirit is speaking. The Holy Spirit is guiding. And I wonder for, for how many of you would say, oh, yeah, I've experienced that in my life. I think for so many of us that we don't. And that's just one way that maybe we can apply the Scripture today. Is There was this point at which Paul and Silas and them were listening to the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit, and they were going. I mean, we're going to go share the gospel. That's a good thing. And God says, no, not there. And he says, well, we're going to go and we're going to share the gospel. No, not there. Okay, well, then we're going to go to Macedonia. Yes, Macedonia is ready. Macedonia is the place I want you to go. But you see this Holy Spirit that seems so mystic to us sometimes and so mysterious to us sometimes. It does very tangible things in our life. I want to share a few of those with you this morning. This is in your notes. It's going to be on the screens for you. What does the Holy Spirit do? What is the work of the Holy Spirit according to the Scriptures? Now, this is not an exhaustive list. This is just part of what the Holy Spirit does that I think is tangible for us to see and maybe feel His work in our lives. The first one is this. What does the Holy Spirit do according to the Scriptures? He dwells in us. He dwells in us. 1 Corinthians 3.16 Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in you? The Holy Spirit of God is in you. Second thing, the Holy Spirit convicts people of sin. Man, we need that in our life. There's nothing like Holy Spirit conviction. John 16.8 And when He comes, this is Jesus talking to the disciples about the Holy Spirit. He says, and notice the Spirit is a person. It's a He. It's not an It. Okay, it says, and when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. So he's going to help convict people of their sin. You ever experienced that after you gave your life to Jesus Christ? It's like I, the sin I was doing before didn't bother me so much. Now it bothers me really. Man, I'm struggling with this. This is, this is really a struggle now. And yeah, it's the Holy Spirit convicting you. What else does the Holy Spirit do? Helps us pray. I mean, isn't this awesome? Romans 8, 26, 27. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is in the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints. The saints are the saved ones. He intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And so some of us be like, man, I don't have words. I don't know what to pray. The Holy Spirit is praying to God on your behalf because he knows you inside and out. That's pretty awesome. Helps us pray. Another thing the Holy Spirit does is the Holy Spirit guides us. John 16, 13. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you things that are to come. The Holy Spirit is going to guide us. Tell us the things that are to come when we're supposed to go to Macedonia. The Holy Spirit also empowers us. Gives us power. If you were here for the witness series earlier this year, Acts 1.8 was the theme for the whole series. What does it say? But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you, through that power from God, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Samaria and Judea and even to the ends of the earth. You will be my witnesses because I'm going to give you the power of the Holy Spirit. Another thing the Holy Spirit does is the Holy Spirit cleanses us. Titus 3, 5-7. through 7. 
He saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by, catch this, by, catch this, by the washing and regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. He cleanses us. Holy Spirit also teaches us. He teaches us, John 14, 26, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. That was Jesus talking to the disciples in the upper room the night before he was, he was uh, going to be crucified. He's up there and he's telling them that the Holy Spirit is going to teach you and bring to remembrance everything that I, that I have said to you. Luke 12, 11 and 12 talks about when we're supposed to give a testimony to testify in the name of Jesus. It says, And when they bring you before the synagogues and the rulers and the authorities, do not be anxious about how you should defend yourself or what you should say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. So many Christians are like, Oh, I don't know what to say if I get asked a question about my faith. You know, if somebody engages me, I just keep quiet because I don't know what to say. Then... Focus on the Holy Spirit. He's going to tell you what to say. He's going to teach you all things. One of the last last thing on this list, but not the last thing at all that the Holy Spirit does, is it causes us to bear fruit. You know it, Galatians 5, right? The fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The evidence of the Holy Spirit's work in our lives. We talked about that a little bit last week. And so what's, what's interesting about this list is the Holy Spirit does all of these things. And yet we say, well, where's the Holy Spirit in my life? But maybe it's because of distraction. I mean, I'm curious this morning. How many of you would, would say, of that list of eight that we just shared, how many of you would say the Holy Spirit is doing some of those things in your life? How many of you would say, yeah, the Holy Spirit guides me? How many of you would say, yeah, the Holy Spirit teaches me? How many of you would say the Holy Spirit convicts me? Convicts me of the sin in my life. And we could go through the whole list. And if you're like, man, I don't feel like the Holy Spirit's given me any of those things. What are you missing out on? Is it the Holy Spirit's movement? Or is it you sensing his presence? Because you're so busy. You don't think about spiritual things. Don't have time. We got the, the to-do list. We get all these things done. We got to work. And we don't have time for the Spirit. And I wonder, does that mean that we're truly following the way? You see, we can't walk in both our own way, in our flesh, and in God's Spirit. It's either one way or the other. We can't, we can't say, oh, we're walking our own way and in God's Spirit. It's one way or the other. We're either going in God's direction or we're not. Now, last week, I read a little section from Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, and I read, I think, verses 5 through 8 or 5 through 9. And I'm going to reread that this week, okay? But I'm going to read beyond that because I want you to hear about this relationship with the Holy Spirit, okay? Romans chapter 8, beginning with verse 5, says this. For those who live according to the flesh, that's the sinful nature, the sinful desire that we are all born into. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. 
For to set the mind on the flesh is death. But to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. And we, we said that last week, and everybody's like, yeah, I want life and peace. Who doesn't want a good life and some peace? I mean, I, I don't know. I meet anybody during the week that doesn't want some life and some peace up in it, right? And, and yet it says here that if you have the mind of the spirit, you have life and peace. Verse 7, for the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. How many people want to be hostile to the God of the universe? No, thank you, right? No. No one wants to be hostile to God. It says, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Now catch this. You, however, you saved ones, you saints, you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit if, if what? If, in fact, the spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of the righteousness of of Jesus Christ. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So then, brothers and sisters, we are debtors. Okay, we owe something to someone, but it's not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if you live according to the spirit, you put to death the deeds of the body and you will live. For all who are led by the spirit of God are sons of God. I hope that if you're outside of Christ this morning, that that scripture maybe convicts you. And if you're feeling right now like God's doing something or something, okay, that's not good preaching. (laughs) That's the Holy Spirit operating and making you think and making you be a little uncomfortable right now, and that's okay. And for some of you that that are, you know, I've been a Christian my whole life, but you haven't been walking in the the Spirit, and everything I've said today is foreign to you. I don't feel like God's moving in my life. I don't feel like, you know, let that also be a conviction. That we're not a walking according to the flesh. We're walking according to the Spirit of God. And the more we move God's direction, and the more righteous we become like Jesus Christ, and the more we lean in on Him to empower us and give us the Holy Spirit, the more that we lean in on Him to convict us of sin, the more we lean in on Him to actually come into our life and to teach us in a different way than we can just teach ourselves. You're going to know the Holy Spirit is active in your life and in your heart. There's many sitting here today that do experience the Holy Spirit and it's because they're following the way. It's because they're following the way. I want to leave you with this thought this morning. You know, you may never know how your obedience to the Spirit's promptings will affect not only your own life, but the lives of others. Perhaps even across nations and generations. You may say, whoa, that is really... (laughs) That's the deep end of the pool here. Very... Okay, catch it. You may never know how your obedience, your obedience, just like... Paul's obedience? You'll never know how your obedience to the Spirit's promptings will not only just affect your life, it's going to affect your life for good things, trust me, but the lives of others, perhaps even across nations and generations. Let's go back to our passage in Acts 16. And let's go back to Lydia. 
Paul was following the leading of the Spirit to go somewhere else. And the Spirit said, no, no. And said what? Go to Macedonia. Go to Philippi. Here's the interesting thing. Lydia became the first Christian in the city of Philippi. If you read the rest of Scripture, there actually becomes this church in Philippi. In fact, the Apostle Paul writes a letter to that church. We call it the book of Philippians. And if you read the book of Philippians, Lydia, the first Christian there, that Paul answered God's call through the Spirit to go to that place. And yet here it comes up again. And what's amazing about it is that the birth of the Philippian church was the first congregation to actually be established on European soil. And think about this. That's how the church in Europe started. Was God's leading and Paul's answer to the leading of the Spirit to Macedonia, specifically to Philippi, specifically to Lydia. And think about how that affected the world today. And I want you to think about it even deeper. God's plan. How did it affect the West? When the United States of America, and I know it's 4th of July week, when the United States of America came into existence, who planted churches here? It's the churches of England. Where do the churches of England, the new Jesus Christ, where do they come from? The churches of Europe. Where do the churches of Europe get the gospel? The church in Philippi. Man, I'm sure glad Paul walked in the Spirit. Asia would have already had the gospel. But I'm not sure Europe would have. And that's why when you respond to the Spirit, you don't know what God's plan is, how it could affect nations and generations, even into 2019, of how we have churches here today. Because the obedience of an apostle named Paul and the answer of a call on a pricked heart of a lady named Lydia could bring the church in Enid, Oklahoma, into existence today. If you don't believe it, read the Bible. Because God's got a plan. And what would our church look like if we walked in the Spirit of God? What if we could unleash this week 700 people in Enid to, to be sensitive to His Spirit and His leading? What might happen? Do you think that we could see something like it says in Scripture? Daily. Those were being added to the kingdom of God. Because faithful people who loved Jesus and listened and walked in the Holy Spirit did what they were supposed to do. And I think it all comes down to just yielding. It's a yielding that happens in our hearts. Are we yielded to God and are we going to go His direction? In just a minute, we're going to sing a song. And as we do every week, we have the decision room. It's over to your right. And it's open. We're going to have decision guides there and elders and staff. And uh, they would love to talk to you about anything, any question you have. If you have a need of prayer, um, maybe this morning you're like, I don't know what my next step is. I, I, I like Jesus, but I, I don't know. I, I, I need to talk. So I have some questions. Whatever it is, I invite you to go as we sing this song. There's many more of us, though, that most of us in this room, we're going to say, yeah, huh, love Jesus, love him, I'm a Christian. But are you following the way? 
Or have you strayed? Have you gone your own direction? For some of you, maybe it's just a few weeks. For some of you, it's months. For some of you, it may have been years. You say, I remember what it was like to have that relationship and that passion, that love for Jesus and what he did for me on the cross. But I've walked away from it. Today, God is calling you back. He says, come to me. Because I am the way. Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you that you are the way, the truth, and the life. I thank you for the truth of Scripture that convicts us. Lord, we, we read about 60 verses today. And God, I pray that every verse and every word of your holy book just impedes us. Lord, it, it, it stops us in our tracks and makes us consider our way. Because we want to be followers of the way, and you are the only way. And God, if there's anyone that is outside of you this morning, I pray they make that decision to surrender their hearts and yield their lives to you and call you Savior and call you Lord and call you Master and become a servant of yours because we love our Master because you are so good to us, God. Lord, for some of us that maybe we have, we have made that decision, but we've gone astray. Lord, today is what we talked about last week in the sermon. It's today is the day of repentance where we change our direction. We say, you know what? I'm not going my own way anymore. I'm going his way again. But God, whatever the decision is this morning, I pray you do your holy and redemptive work as we stand and sing this song together. And we pray all these things in the strong and the mighty and the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.